Welcome to The Contemplative Life. Three pastors, friends, and spiritual companions help us explore spirituality through a contemplative lens. I'm Christina Roberts. I'm Chris Roberts. I'm Christina Kaiser. We're glad you joined us. Hello, it's good to be with you today. We are taking a dive into talking about the various images we might have of God and maybe by extension the images that we might have of people in our lives. And so when we started thinking about this conversation, I was immediately drawn to a book called Awareness by Anthony DeMello. And if you haven't read Anthony DeMello, he's a Jesuit who uh, passed away in the 80s, so he's kind of modern. He's quite a straight shooter, so if you don't like straight shooting, you probably wouldn't enjoy his book. But if you like someone to tell you the way it is, he's he's your guy. He's the one. Uh, so in that book, he talks a lot about images. He talks about even his image of God and the fact that he needed to, at one point, do this really scary thing for him and re- Announce his image of God because he wanted to just be able to open up and kind of see what really is in the world. But throughout the book, he talks about, you know, when we're mad, when we're irritated, when we're frustrated, these various emotions that can come up, that's usually on us because we had an image of the way something was. And when the image doesn't exactly meet what we wanted it to meet, it doesn't match, then we're frustrated. And so what are we going to do about that? And he even goes so far as to talk about these images in the form of idols like this it's actually a really big deal so I was pretty impressed upon by having read that and I thought maybe we could just open it up and have a conversation I am really struck by his idea that he had to renounce God or you know the image of God if you will which allowed him to come in contact with what really is and gosh I think that that is such an important space that we often find ourselves in with contemplative spirituality. And yet it can feel really scary because if these are images of God that we've grown up with or that we've attached ourselves to, the thought of renouncing that or or reframing who God is, I think poses a lot of questions, right? Is that okay? Am I kind of going off course by rethinking some of these things? And I have found in my own life and people that I'm companioning with, these are important moments in our spiritual journey where somehow we are recognizing there's an expansiveness of God. And when I, when I am only talking about God in these terms or these images, I'm missing out on so much. And also times where no longer those images, yes, they are there. Maybe they are part of the wider conversation, but for this season in my life, it actually becomes unhelpful to keep myself attached to that image. And I need to grow past that into new images. So I find it both exciting, exhilarating, but also a little bit like, ah, there's some pause there and scariness, if you will. Yeah, what well, immediately came to my mind whenever we said we were going to discuss this was uh, what being an eight-year-old kid and watching Raiders of the Lost Ark, Raiders of the Lost Ark for the first time. And uh, there's a scene in there about God coming out of the ark and uh, lighting up those evil Nazis. I'm, as an eight-year-old kid, that was that was scary, and that image sort of stuck with me for a long time. And I had this this image of God being uh, this individual. If you didn't walk a straight line, a straight path, and do all these things to please Him, you know, bad things happen. And so, even in my subconscious now, I you know, I find myself ducking my head and sort of looking around whenever I feel like, oh, was that okay? Was that was what I said? 
all right? Am I, am I behaving correctly? And so, yeah, I think imagery is super important. And I really like the renouncing uh, image images, uh, unhelpful images of God that we've collected along the way. Right. I think, and you know, I was talking about subconscious. I think we have so many images in our subconscious that, that, that we're not aware of and, you know, paying attention to those things, uh, letting them surface and, and, and then asking the question, what is that? So that's, that's what I find to be striking about our conversation so far. Yeah, this awareness piece ends up being a really big deal. Like, do I even know that I have images of the way I want myself to be, the way I want others to be, the way that I want God to be, the way that I think God is? Uh, so even as I wanted to prepare for this kind of a conversation, I sat down with myself and said, okay, what are the images that I have of God? And I realized, like, oh, sometimes it's prayer answerer, sometimes as wisdom giver, sometimes as nurturer, sometimes as companion, but maybe not all at the same time. And then I, I started to realize, even as prayer answerer, I found myself writing down, what does that even mean? <laughs> what does it mean that God is a prayer answerer? What am I expecting or not expecting of God? What have I witnessed or not witnessed? How does that relate with what I see in the Bible? Because right, the Bible offers these huge moments of really just deliverance and uh, miraculous healing, which often isn't exactly what my day-to-day life is looking like. <laughs> Where's the comparison? Where's the equal? How do I equal that to what I'm experiencing in my day-to-day life? So yeah, I started to realize there's a ton of images in my head of who God is and awareness seems to be the first piece. And it's interesting that you're highlighting crisp pop culture movies that shape our awareness and images of God. Christina, you referring to the Bible and some of the things that you were taught maybe in religious circles, and it creeps up everywhere within our day-to-day life or, you know, culture, etc. And I remember a couple of years ago, really paying attention to how people address God, because I think even if you're referring to God as Lord or as the divine, or I had someone that would uh, pray Papa was kind of the way in which he addressed God. And I found that to be really interesting to notice those things. And one person who I was meeting with would, uh, the only term was Lord, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord. And I sort of pressed on that a little bit of, you know, what does it mean that God is your Lord, that Jesus is your Lord? And thinking about sort of lords in, you know, our, our historical context or the idea of being a boss kind of lording it over you and really challenging this person. Like, is that, is that it? Like, is that how you want to relate to God? Is that the only way in which God interacts with you? And it was a really interesting thing. And I think they had just kind of taken for granted. Oh yeah, that's my Lord Jesus. You learn how to pray the prayer in Sunday school or something like that, and wasn't really even thoughtful about how one addresses. And so I think that's been something in my own life is really being aware of how am I addressing God, the divine, the inner Jesus, the spirit, all of those different even words and language that I think really matter in our our images of God and what it might mean to move past some of those into new territory. Yeah, I really appreciate what you're saying, Christina. Uh, particularly, I know we've talked a little bit about sort of unhelpful images that we that we draw on from the past, but also sort of the necessity to reframe 
uh, God in, in new images. And I found that to be super helpful. And I found the contemplative to be an amazing step forward in that. Um, and something that's been super helpful, I know I've talked about this probably too many times, but poetry, inviting poetry to, to, to give me new imagery of, of who God is in my own life. And so just as a way of moving forward, I, I think imagery is super helpful, especially when you have an openness to, to the divine and to God. You know, I have this openness to see God in his full expanse and you uh, let imagery sort of settle in on that. I think it's, it's, it's a really great way to move forward. And I've also found dreams to be super helpful. How do, you know, how are my dreams informing um, how I see myself and, and how I see God? And so I find that to be super helpful as we think about images of God in the process of moving forward. I like that because I feel like sometimes too, we can have these cliche phrases, but when we actually stop to think about light, you know, God is light or he's the light of the world. What does that actually mean? And when you think about light and all the expansiveness of light, all of a sudden, some sort of cliche thing that you might sing at Christmas time or something has this rich meaning. And so I think you're right that poetry and expanding the language, even around some of these cliche ish type phrases, I think can be really enriching. And it kind of feels like whether it's poetry or dreams or a show or something else, right? A lot of that gives us metaphor, which then opens up instead of just the, right? I learned the prayer. The prayer was the Lord. And I don't have any problem with like rote things. I think they're beautiful and lovely and connect us to the past and all all the things. Uh, but there's also what is today, right? What is the beauty in today? And so I think of... There's this moment in Star Trek, The Next Generation, <laughs> uh, which somehow my husband got me into watching this show. Otherwise, it never would have crossed my radar to ever watch it. But Worf is this character. He's this Klingon that kind of becomes more in tune with other cultures because of his interaction on the Enterprise, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But he has this process of doing this whole exercise that he ends up teaching others so he can blindfold himself and sense the movement of what's happening in the room around him and you might think oh well that's good for him or something like that but then he has this moment where he teaches another to be able to do this and of course it doesn't go that well right initially he's able to take them down to the mat if you will but they do eventually learn and I think that that is again this metaphory idea for like who is God to me not maybe just overall, but who's God to me today? Like, what is God offering me today? Which kind of plays into this childlike awe and wonder. And we have a four-year-old right now in our house, and we we get so giddy <laughs> because he will see something that he's so excited about, and he will go, whoa. And just the way that he says it tells you how amazed that he is. Like, everything's amazing. And we kind of, I'm not that good at whoa. I have created so many systems in my life. It takes a lot more for me to enter my whoa space, if you will. <laughs> but there is that ability to learn and to be able to ask, like, who is God to me today? What is God offering me today? Yeah, I like that. I think one of the things that also comes to my mind, you know, the, the there is the whoa factor. But I think 
you know, we have some, we have some painful experiences that have happened in our life a lot of times and allowing God to sort of transform those things that we perceive to be negative or whatever. Not that they're not negative, but I think one of my favorite images of, you know, that that transformation that could happen in one's life is there's a sculpture that's made completely out of weapons from uh, Mozambique that uh, an artist made. And they're, they're, it's the tree of life and it's uh, dismantled AK-47s that were used in the war for killing each other. And, you know, this image of the tree of life, you know, that's, that's planted by these, these rivers of living water um, where our pain is there, but there's also this hope of the future. And I think that's what imagery can do for us as well uh, is, is paint a, a, a hopeful vision of the future. And so not that we, we are trying to use imagery to escape from things that, might have been painful in our life how can we let the things that have been painful in our life be something that god can transform into in, into beauty and so that's that's also another thing that strikes me about imagery yeah i think that is super meaningful super beautiful uh, and I've done a lot of thinking about this over the last couple of months, even. Like, what does it mean for something to be redeemed? And how is this transformation in grief and suffering bringing us to places that are good? Because that's kind of the promise that we've been given, is that these bring us to good places and that somehow it can all be redeemed. But not in this like, oh, just let it go. But th- there is a journey. There is a process. There's something. Uh, so I have appreciated even we've talked multiple times about the evolution of our thinking and our faith lives and this too creates that sense of how is this evolving as i live and process and journey yeah and christina i'm thinking back to what you said a few moments ago about god as a prayer answerer or a wisdom giver things like that and how you know i do think that there are these examples like you mentioned in the bible where it's these big miraculous things but i think even how does that look like in the day-to-day of, I had a conversation with someone and in that conversation, there was some sort of an exchange that became the answer to my prayer. There was something that that person said or something shifted inside of me. So it wasn't, I'm going to the mountaintop and having like this, you know, transfiguration type of an experience, but it's in that conversation in those moments or Chris, I appreciate you bringing in art that's taking this beautiful sculpture that you're mentoring of just the pain and refiguring that into something different and new, which I'm guessing was a collective effort of of a couple of different people coming together in a community to do that. And so I think it's important that we do have our images of God, but the way in which our interactions with human beings continue to help evolve and shape and enrich those in our lives. Yes, even this conversation today is going to have an impact on us all, right? Both us that are having it and as we hear it and we continue that conversation with others. Thank you guys so much for this conversation. It's a good place to begin, right? (laughs) Well, now is the time in our podcast where we take a moment to talk a little bit about what we are into So what are we into? I am into tandem bikes. So uh, we have an attachment 
So I have a, a five-year-old, a currently five-year-old, and we've had one of those things that you kind of uh, carry your child on behind you over the years. But this last year with COVID, I haven't been biking him to school. And so we now have a tandem because he's old enough to actually pedal with me. And so we are practicing. There's a large hill by our house on the way to school and school starts next week here for us. And I have been practicing and it's a little bit different because the tandem, there's wiggling and there's jerking and he is involved in the process and we're trying to get into a rhythm of, all right, we're going up the hill, let's pedal together. So there's this partnership in tandem with a young one that is new to me. So that is what I am into this week is tandem biking. Well, I have been into a Wisconsin native music artist named Jeffrey Falcott. He's sort of off the grid a little bit. He grew up uh, not far from Madison. Uh, he currently lives in Maine. And I've just discovered like 10 albums worth of music that he's put out. And it's, like I said, Americana music. And what I find so fascinating about him is his lyrics. Uh, first of all, I really like his, his musical style, but uh, he he is an artist that has some depth to him. He he looks at the world in an honest way. He also looks at the world uh, in a curious way. So I have been into Jeffrey Falcott. How exciting. I'll have to check that out. And we will put that in the show notes for anybody who's interested in checking it out as well, just so you know to look there. So I have been into all summer, actually, lawn lines. <laughs> I have really enjoyed, actually, just a little background. I got banned from mowing the lawn for a while, and like maybe like a decade ago in our marriage, because I would mow over the rocks and it would bend the frame of the lawnmower. And so I was banned from mowing the lawn, which was ironic because my grandfather owned a landscaping business. And so my first job was mowing lawns. Although I will also say I have a lot of really crazy stories from being on a riding lawnmower as a 15 year old for eight hours a day. It has been so much fun for me to like change the way that the lines go and get just a little bit artistic about it and then bring everybody to the window after the fact to be like, look at it. What do you guys think? Which is very odd. I've been into lawn lines and the season's nearly over. So I've really got to soak it all up now. <laughs> I know. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, everybody, for being with us. If you are looking for more resources, we do invite you to check out thecontemplativelife.net. And if you have time, give us a rating on iTunes so that others can find us, too. Thanks so much. We'll see you again soon. Mm -hmm.